Welcome to Art Conversations, and I am your host, Lisa Jane Irvine. As a practicing visual artist, I've had the opportunity to meet many interesting individuals along the way. Every path I've ventured down has provided me with a greater knowledge in the arts, as well as a vast array of experiences that have helped to shape my practice both in and out of the studio. I encourage you to grab a cup of tea or even a coffee and settle in as we begin my conversations with my guests who are working, practicing, exploring, even playing in the arts. Lydia Swanson is a collage and mixed media artist who resides in Burlington, Ontario. After a long career in public education, Lydia turned to the arts to express her creativity. Lydia has exhibited numerous shows and has served on numerous boards, committees, and art associations in both Mississauga and Burlington. Join me today as I chat with Lydia about her involvement in the arts, as well as her incredible use of collage and mixed media to tell visually captivating narratives about her family and love of nature. At this time, please help me welcome Lydia Swanson to the podcast. Welcome, Lydia. Oh, thank you. Wonderful to join you, Lisa, on your very first one. I'm so happy to have you as my guest. It's an honor. Thank you. You have quite the accomplishments here, Lydia, trying to decide where we should start. You're very active in the arts community, which is fantastic. So tell us about that first course at Sheridan College. Like, how did it get you sparked? What was it about the color that introduced you to the world of art? I think it was just taking a a color, a watercolor, and putting it on a piece of paper. The color just glowed. And I thought, wow, this is this is really something to, to brush on color. And we did a lot of theory. And part of the theory was uh, really wonderful color exercises, combining opposite colors, complementary colors, red and green, and putting them together, and then adding a little bit of white, a little bit of black. And all of a sudden, there was this huge palette of possibilities. And each color... Uh, felt different. It it brought something different out. And uh, I just fell in love with it. Do you think that color theory really helped where your work goes today? Do you refer back to that on a regular basis? Well, <laughs> it's funny, because sometimes you just uh, go wild and you, you splash paint because it's so much fun. But then when a painting doesn't work, guess what, you go back to the theory, you go back to uh, the basics and uh, you look at your painting and say, okay, why isn't it working? Uh, Yeah, of course it's not working because, you know, I'm using this particular color that just doesn't blend in or the values aren't right or or whatever. So you you go back to that usually when you're in trouble. (laughs) Makes sense. I know I had the chance to see some of your early work. It was very decorative. And I would imagine that it was that experience with Sheridan College that influenced that work. Can you talk about what you were first creating, especially when you got together with these retired colleagues? What was the kind of work that you did at that point in your career? Well, as you said, I did a lot of decorative stuff. And I think that was influenced by Cora Britton. She's an artist that lives on the Hamilton Beach area. And she does a lot of beautiful, decorative, very delicate, very detailed pieces. And I was a novice, so I followed 
her. She guided me through it. And that's what I was doing at the time. I, I used to look at jewelry and copy it pretty well with gold and watercolor and engraving things into into the watercolor and then using pencil crayons to shade. It was very decorative and they were small pieces, very successful pieces. But I found over time that the work was very delicate and uh, very time consuming. And I really, I just wanted a little more freedom. But that's what I was doing at that particular time. Well, I think you've definitely moved on to that freedom. One of my all-time favorite pieces of yours is the Ferris wheel. It's exquisite. From a distance, it's this beautiful Ferris wheel. It's very reminiscent of the memories I have of childhood going to the carnival. And when you get up close, that's the surprise element in the piece. Can you tell us what that surprise is? Oh, yeah. Well, it's all sorts of photographs and transfers, photo transfers of the time that I spent at the CNE in the 50s and 60s and 70s with my three brothers. And we just had a great time. It was the end of summer. That was a special time to go to the CNE. We'd go on all the rides. And the one ride that my mom wouldn't let us go on was the Ferris wheel. She thought it was very dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, get on that Ferris wheel was a rite of passage. And so I thought that was a very important part of the story that I wanted to tell about the CNE having fun and a rite of passage. And I thought the circle of the Ferris wheel was the the circle of life. You know, you could really get into some deep stuff, (laughs) but that's what I, that was the story I wanted to tell. Yeah, it's a great image because the Ferris wheel is accessible. It's almost universal worldwide. You can go to so many places and see a Ferris wheel. And I think it is a great entry point. And then, like you said, you have a beautiful narrative quality that's just just beneath the surface of the painting. And when you really stare at it, it comes out nicely. And like you said, I have memories myself of going to the scene in Toronto. And you've nicely captured that essence of time, place and memory in your piece. So it's a nice piece to come upon when you see it in the gallery. Is that the piece that you did get the award for? Uh, Yes, yes. And I'm so pleased just what you have said, because that's the story I wanted to get across. And it is a universal theme, and that's that's important for me to take a personal theme, a personal thought, a personal story, and make it universal so that it touches a lot of people, not just my personal story. You also talked a little bit there about your process. So can you walk us through what it's like to create a piece like that? I believe you're still working with that collage element in a lot of your pieces today. How do you go about building an artwork? What is your process as an artist? There really isn't one particular thing I do, but I I probably do. I never really think about what am I going to do first, second, third. I think a lot of it is picking an image. I think that's probably my first thought. And it could be an image from the family album, be an image that I come across in my garden, like a flower. It could be an image that uh, is in the house or a photograph that somebody else has taken. It really has to feel right. It has to move me somehow. And uh, then I have to decide, what is it that I want to tell about this image? Is it a happy story? Is it a sad story? What do I want to say? And then I'll play with the background. And sometimes I just throw paint and let it drip and whatever, just to have the fun. 
just add the fun of color and paint. But then I'll take the image and I'll decide what I'm going to do. Am I just going to paste it on the canvas? Am I going to do a, a transfer of it? What is the composition? Am I going to uh, do a rhythm where I put the images right next to each other? Am I going to just scatter them around as a background? Am I going to paint an image on top like the Ferris wheel so that it tells the story? It brings the viewer into my painting. And sometimes I'll leave a painting. It's not working. It's not telling what I feel inside. So I'll let it sit for a while and I'll walk past it and glance at it and say, oh, I don't know. And then in the middle of the night, usually, <laughs> I usually say, ah, I'll try that. I get up in the morning, I get into the studio and then I try it. It's interesting how that artist inspiration hits you at 3 a.m. in the morning. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's not always a good thing. <laughs> but that's sometimes um, where the best ideas develop. It's like a playground for artists, I think. Yeah. And, and, and then sometimes I'll take a photograph of it and send it to you or send it to another friend and say, okay, what do you think? And they will give me some sort of advice. Sometimes I'll put it in front of the mirror and try to disassociate myself from it. I distance myself, and then I could critique it much more objectively. That's a great idea is putting it in front of a mirror. Yeah, so that's basically the process. It's not one thing, but it's, it's a lot of different things through your bio and also just now mentioning like you do connect with other artists, especially during these last few months with COVID, how do you find that community or how do you keep that connection alive when things are so different than what they've been previously? I think social media is really good. I'm on Instagram and I've connected with artists all around the world. Looking at paintings is such a, a joy and it, it just takes you to a different direction. People are so creative. And they have different ideas and somehow you you filter it through your personal eye. Uh, the other thing that has really helped is being part of the Guild, Burlington Art Gallery Guild, Fine Arts. We met on Zoom, we talked, we showed each other paintings, we displayed online. And that's a real inspiration as well. Just Just talking to artists because artists have their own language. It's just like every profession, they have their own speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, when you connect with people who understand you, you start to grow. There's a trust that develops and you're free to create, you're free to make mistakes, to do silly stuff. You have to do those things to, to grow. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. That's amazing that you were able to use digital technology to keep that audience and that growth alive with your peers and your community. And I will make sure to connect everybody to Lydia's Instagram account in the show notes so you can go and check out what she is working on. And you'll have all the pieces that we talk about today there for everybody to see. Yeah, I will. Okay, yeah. great. I have to say one of my favorite pieces that you have right now is a poppy in a vase. I'm a gardener myself and love flowers. And what's beautiful about Lydia's Instagram post for this is that she actually shows you some of the process. How did you choose the poppy? This seems to be a reoccurring theme in some of your work from your early stages to now. Well, I love poppies because they are so intricate in structure and so different. And they only uh, come out for a couple of 
well, maybe a week <laughs> if it doesn't rain, and then they die. So, and, and then they have such an interesting transformation that I like to capture all that. Now, what happened was that I wait every spring for those poppies to, to come out. Mm-hmm. It so happened that two of them came out and we were heading to the cottage. And, oh, I was really upset because I couldn't see the rest of the poppies because I've got pink poppies, white poppies, all kinds of poppies. Two poppies. I picked them. I carefully wrapped them up and took them to the cottage and put them on the table and took all kinds of photographs. So that particular painting is made up of about four different photographs I took of the poppies. And I, I had quite an interesting time trying to figure out a composition for them. And I tried, I sketched a number of uh, different compositions, but again, I, I went back to basic composition style and worked on that. And I, I put a lot of layers on it until I felt that it really, the poppies came alive. Some of the intermediate layers were pretty dull and boring. So I really had to work on colors and glazing and so that I could bring them all out. There's a couple of things you've mentioned here that I think are really interesting for people who haven't seen your work. You talked about this idea of transformation. And I think you see this in your work from the many layers that you include Mm-hmm. What is it about transformation that really draws you? There's this very delicate flower. And mm-hmm. how is transformation a part of your process as a whole? Ah, that's a good question. I think that what I try to do, I go back to the question, why am I doing this painting? What do I want to communicate? And that's when I when I have to decide back to the color theory, what can I do with the colors? that will bring it out. And I know complementary colors are very powerful. And that's what I used in this particular painting. When the listeners look at that painting, they'll see that there's purple and yellow, complementary colors, and orange and blue. And I've used the vase to meld the purple and the blues together. And I've put blues in certain spots to bring out the orange. And then I also use glazes to to give a little bit of a transparency because poppies are so delicate. Mm -hmm. So that was the transformation. Uh, The other transformation is just the stages of the poppy. So I I really was fascinated by the petals that fell down and how the poppy let go of the petals. But Mm -hmm. then there there was a poppy that was totally open. And then there was another poppy that was partly opened. And then there were the the buds, the poppy buds. So all the different stages of transformation. You also talked about the layers. I, I think it's always interesting to see the stages in your work. You do work with a lot of layering. You talked about glazing. When did you first start to get into that? Or what was it about adding all these delicate layers that really draws you into your process? I think it was over a period of time and over a lot of courses. You know, you can go to a course and the instructor can give you all sorts of uh, ideas and you could only absorb so much. You can absorb it in your head, but you've got to absorb it in your heart and in your hands and then put it on the canvas. Mm -hmm. So I I don't think it was any one particular time. Mm -hmm. I think it was over, over a long period of time integral to your process it's it's a big part of it yeah well I I also like to experiment mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very bad you know a lot of people would would stop but no I have to say 
you know, I wonder if it would look good if I put this there or if I put a glaze on here. And what glaze should I put? And I'll put one glaze and it looks awful. So I'll do another glaze. I'm very experimental. I'm a very much of a risk taker and mm-hmm. I'll play because it's, it is just basically a piece of paper and paint. Never go to a point where you're like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I put gesso all to, on top of it, and then there's this lovely texture, and I can build on something else. <laughs> I would imagine I would panic if I got to that stage in a work. I'd be like, now what do I do? Where do I go? I think there was one instructor, and I can't remember who it was. First thing he made us do was put the, a piece of uh, watercolor paper on the floor and walk all over it. And he said, your painting can't be too precious. That's good advice. I think sometimes we get caught up in it being perfect and precious. So being able to let go is really important. Your recent piece, Party Dress, has been in a couple of online exhibitions, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that piece. Who's in the piece? What's it about? Well, that's a, a picture of me, as I would say, about eight, nine, 10 years old. And it was, you know, you always had to have a party dress to go anywhere because it was the sign of the times. I guess we still do that. We we dress up, but we don't dress up quite in the same fashion. But uh, that, was a, that was a special dress and I had a bonnet to go with it. It must've been an Easter type dress that you wore a bonnet and you wore uh, a dress. And I just thought it was very much uh, a cultural statement of the times. I think it was the 50s. And I wanted to use that, first of all, because it was the full body image, head to toe. And I wanted to do some sort of a, a little rhythm of this piece. I did this about three or four years ago, and I wasn't happy with it. And I put it downstairs in the basement with all the other paintings that I store. And this year I went downstairs and said, you know, I think I could do something different with this. So I started putting more paint and layers on it. And uh, then all of a sudden I said, yes, this is what I want to convey. Yeah, this, it was quite interesting. This painting resonated with a lot of people. It is sold, but I told the person who bought it that I need to display it a few more times. So he can't have it yet. <laughs> That's good though, that you're getting such a great response to it. And I think, you know, it's really interesting that you said this piece has sat for a couple of years. I didn't even realize that. It just shows you that as artists, we don't always get things right the first time. We don't always like what we do. Maybe we're not even satisfied with the process, but we're definitely harder on ourselves than we need to be because it's an exquisite piece. It's beautiful. The colors are stunning. It has a, a softness to it. When you talked about the Easter bonnet, I could see this as Easter colors even. Mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about your color scheme for that piece? The purple and the yellow were, were definitely different color, uh, complementary colors. But I also like you know, teal. I've been drawn to teal lately, you know, and I just needed to put that darn color in there. And then I mixed it with the yellow so that it would flow a little better. And I wanted to, I tried some hot colors, some fluorescent colors. I'm into that as well. So again, I was experimenting. And I'd add colors on the dress as well, just to incorporate it into the rest of the painting. Mm -hmm. I did some transfer colors. I also blotted out the face a little bit because I wanted people to be drawn into it as sort of a personal symbol for them. It's not like a recognizable figure, but it's it's more universal again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. 
Where do you think you're going to go next, Lydia? I know this is always a tough question, but is there anything you're working on right now in the studio? Um, I'm not really sure where I'm going. I'd like to push the images a little bit, maybe put one image on top of an image, different sizes to see how that works. And I want to go a little bit larger. Do you keep an image file or do you just print images as you're ready to work with them? I keep an image file. I also, in fact, I used an image that I haven't for years. I used it in a painting, but I use a lot of, I use a lot of family album because there's some really interesting images from bygone years. Do you ever have family members say, don't use my picture in an artwork? No, (laughs) they want to be used. I also have a commission coming up that will be interesting. It's a story about a trip. So I, I, yeah, I think that's what I want to do, Lisa. People have been telling me to do bigger paintings, and I'm terrified because mm-hmm. you have to store them. <laughs> That's my, my uh, practical reason. But I think I'm going to try and do a bigger painting, try to do something with images on top of each other and uh, glazing. I, I, I'm kind of curious about that. I think I may do that. It's definitely worth exploring. I think what's nice about the scale that you have worked in to this point is that It's the intimacy of them. It's the portrait. You've got this story and it's about a person. And when it's scaled down, you have that intimate experience with the artwork. So I I would be curious to see what happens if they go really large and how you play with scale in terms of the figure, too, that you're working with. Yeah, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. What do you think would be a great read for someone to, to delve into? Well, I've got a lot of books and there's so many good ones. But I, I think one that I come back to is a, a book called Design and Composition Secrets of Professional Artists. And it's from the editors of the International Artists Magazine. So they have artists like Robert Bateman and a number of different artists, Canadian artists and, and international artists, Robert Ginn, who talk about their process in composing and one thing that's wonderful you know you everybody knows about dividing the photograph dividing the painting into nine pieces but this one is really quite interesting because they're not just talking about dividing the canvas into the golden mean or or nine pieces they're talking about well I cut things out images out and I move them around the canvas and then when it feels right I paint it And I thought, wow, this is not just rules. They're relying on their intuition. So each of them has a very different way of doing things, has a very different way of getting into the painting and composing it. And I thought that if you're creative and a risk taker, I think this is a good one to read. It's interesting you choose this book because you did talk about how composition is so important, especially when you were composing the piece for the poppy. So I can see how it would be influential in your work. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think it really has influenced me. And I do go back into it because it's trying to get into another person's head is really hard, uh, especially their process, because you really have to find your own way. But I really found this book really helpful. That's great. Well, thank you, Lydia, for your time. I really appreciate you joining me today. And for everybody listening, I will make sure to post uh, links to Lydia's website and her Instagram and Facebook accounts. Oh, I better get my website 
cleaned up. <laughs> well, it, it's just absolute pleasure. We we talk all the time, but it's really great to make it a formal talk. We don't need to talk this formally about process, but it's been really interesting to hear about it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to Art Conversations with Lisa Jane Irvine. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and hit the like button. And don't forget to check out my website, Facebook, and Instagram accounts. Thank you for listening. See you next time.